Live from historic downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania, home of founding father James Wilson, 19th century hymn writer George Duffield, 19th century gospel minister George Norcross, and sports legend Jim Thorpe. It's Iron Sharpens Iron. This is a radio platform in which pastors, Christian scholars, and theologians address the burning issues facing the church and the world today. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 tells us iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Matthew Henry said that in this passage, we are cautioned to take heed with whom we converse and directed to have in view in conversation to make one another wiser and better. It is our hope that this goal will be accomplished over the next two hours, and we hope to hear from you, the listener, with your own questions. And now, here's your host, Chris Arnzen. Good afternoon, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, Lake City, Florida, and the rest of humanity living on the planet Earth who are listening via live streaming at ironsharpensironradio.com. This is Chris Arnzen, your host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, wishing you all a happy Tuesday on this 30th day of January 2024. Uh, we uh, basically uh, arranged an emergency broadcast today. I had to reschedule somebody that was already scheduled to be my guest today uh, because we wanted to uh, bring uh, to the public's attention something that just recently happened. We didn't want too much time to elapse. In fact, some people are already accusing me of rehashing old news, even though I think this just happened about a week ago or so. Uh, but we are going to be addressing some very unfortunate and dangerous statements by a globally renowned figure, much beloved both inside the Reformed faith and outside. Uh, the, the figure of whom I speak is Alistair Begg, and uh, he gave advice uh, to a grandmother uh, during a podcast to attend a so-called transgendered wedding of this woman's grandson. And uh, the stipulation was that the young man know where the grandmother stood in regard to her view of this uh, marriage not being a legitimate marriage and the uh, actual behavior of her grandson with this so-called transgendered individual being sin, etc., and but he still recommended that the grandmother attend the wedding and purchase a gift for the quote quote couple and we are responding to that today we uh my guest and i were both shocked as were many perhaps especially in the reformed community but all of those who greatly love alistair Begg. um uh, well, I shouldn't say all of those who love Alistair Begg. There are many defending his statements, uh, but many who love Alistair Begg were equally shocked uh, by his amazingly bad advice and counsel and his dangerous advice and counsel. And we wanted to uh, go over this subject today uh, with... Uh, a spirit of graciousness with the motivation of love in hopes that not only Alistair Begg would come to repentance and 
openly recant and publicly recant his statements, but also that those who agree with him would recognize that this is very unbiblical and dangerous counsel and that they would repent of agreeing with uh, Brother Begg and would never give this advice to anyone. Uh, but my guest today uh, to conduct this interview is very appropriate. Uh, actually couldn't think of a better person. His name is M.D. Perkins. He's been a guest on the program before. Uh, he is the author of Dangerous Affirmation, The Danger of Gay Christianity. And M.D. is also on staff at the American Family Association, whose radio network made the painful decision to remove Alistair Begg from their lineup, making my guest today even more appropriate. But it's my honor and privilege to welcome you back to Iron Sharp and Zion Radio, M.D. Perkins. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you. And before we move on uh, in more detail with this situation, uh, let's hear about the American Family Association. Sure. Yeah, the American Family Association is a pro-family ministry that began in 1977 under the under the inspiration of uh, Reverend Donald Wildman, who is a Methodist pastor who was concerned about television and just the content material that was on there and um, his activism and response to that issue and raising awareness about that grew into um, confronting the, the selling of pornography in the 1980s, the rise of the homosexual agenda in the nineties um, public Christian public activism in, in a lot of these different areas, as well as uh, dealing with the, uh, the marriage battles that were happening in the States uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so AFAs had their hands in quite a few different um, uh, culture war battlefronts, you could say, over the years. And, um, you know, we were saddened by the recent loss of, of uh, Brother Don. He went home to the Lord uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Wow. But, um, but, but the ministry here is uh, is continuing on. I mean, it wasn't you know, it was started by one man, but the the mission and the vision of AFA continues on through the leadership here and uh, many of the the things that they've that have been set in place over the years, including the American Family Radio Network, which is a piece of of what we do. Uh, Brother Don started that in in uh, 1991 um, after learning of of some new regulations among the FCC that allowed for uh, translator stations. So that you could you could basically branch these together through uh, through satellite technology and create a network, and uh, he took advantage of that opportunity while it was there, and was able to create a network that um, you know at its peak probably had as many as 200 stations or so before the FCC kind of got in and and re reconfigured uh, the regulations on that. But uh, currently, I think we have about 160. Uh, eight stations, 168 stations nationwide, and uh, we we carry a lot of our own content. We we create a, a, a lot of our own productions here in house, but we do carry some some additional uh, uh, programs that uh, that people would be familiar with. Uh, Dr. James Dobson, um, you know, recently let go of the Alistair Begg. That's a connection point to this, but uh, other things like that. And if anybody wants more information about the American Family Association, go to afa.net, afa.net. And please pardon my speech as I am still uh, struggling with Bell's palsy, so I may uh, mispronounce things today. I may uh, You may detect a lisp. 
but I can thank God that the Bell's palsy seems to be diminishing. So uh, thank you all for your prayers. Uh, well, Alistair Begg has been a modern-day hero of mine for many years. I can clearly remember first discovering who he was when the radio station that I worked for, WMCA, 570 AM in New York City, uh, where I served as an account executive for 15 years before I had my own radio program, uh, we would very often have what we called radio rallies. And that would mean when a new program launched on the program on the station, uh, we would very often invite the host of that program to New York City to speak at some church and uh, introduce this person uh, to our audience. And one such person was Alistair Begg. And I remember immediately when I was in attendance at this event being uh, really extremely impressed by him. Uh, and I began to listen to his program regularly, interviewed him at least twice on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, and loved every minute of those interviews. And uh, I have biannual free pastor's luncheons, uh, where I treat uh, pastors to a free lunch and uh, a guest speaker and provide free books that are donated by Christian publishers all over the United States and the United Kingdom. And uh, I, on several occasions gave away books written by Alistair Begg and with no hesitation. Uh, but uh, I was totally shocked when people began to contact me uh, last week asking me if I had heard about the comments of Pastor Begg, and when I did hear them, I was in a state of shock. Uh, well, just to give some background information, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Alistair Begg, it seems unlikely that somebody listening to my show would be unfamiliar with him because he is a theologically reformed, world-renowned uh, pastor, conference speaker, and radio host of the Truth for Life program. Uh, but uh, he also is the senior pastor at Parkside Church near Cleveland, Ohio, and has been so since 1983. Uh, but uh, he is one of the rare people who is unabashedly reformed in his understanding of the scriptures, a.k.a. Calvinistic, uh, and yet uh, has a very wide uh, audience of people who hold him in extremely high esteem outside of the Reformed faith, uh, probably especially amongst Calvary Chapel congregations and radio and television networks and so on. Uh, they, uh, Alistair is one of the very few people, along with Jason Lyle, uh, the uh, Reformed Christian astrophysicist, that the Calvary Chapel folks give a pass <laughs> On his uh, <laughs> on their Calvinism and uh, openly and excitedly promote uh, Alistair uh, and uh, you know feature him in their their networks and so on. I don't know what has happened since these statements, if the Calvary Chapel networks have done anything, but but uh, he is like I said one of the few in, within Reformed theology that seems to 
have a much broader audience of enthusiastic support than merely those who are reformed. But I'm going to play a clip of the things that started this whole controversy uh, during a podcast that Alistair participated in, and here we go. ...in another direction and learning to say, but I have no basis upon which I could argue that I would, myself would not be where they are were it not for the amazing grace of God, were it not for his compassion towards me. And in very specific areas this comes across. I mean, you and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person and I don't know what to do about this and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do which is a huge responsibility and in a conversation like that just a few days ago um, and uh, people may not like this answer but I asked the I asked the grandmother does your grandson understand your uh, belief in Jesus yes does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance uh, in any affirming way the choices that he has made in life. Yes. I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm-hmm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. <laughs> oh, she said, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. They're, you're not going to... Your, your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said these people are what I always thought, judgmental, critical, unprepared mm-hmm. to countenance anything. And it is a fancy, it is a fine line, isn't it? It really yeah. is. And people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But I think we're going to take that risk. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who don't understand Jesus and, and don't understand that he is a king. Well, uh, I think that's enough of that clip. And uh, if you could, uh, MD, give a, give us your uh, initial reactions to everything that was just said. Yeah. Uh, let me first just start with First uh, Timothy chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers. And I just want to hold that in my mind as I'm, you know, addressing a man, like you said, who who's deeply respected, a man that uh, uh, I've come to deeply admire and appreciate his um, his teaching and his heart for for Christ and the way that that's come through in his ministry over the years. And you know, like you, I, I had the opportunity to interview him as well as part of a documentary film project we we had called uh, "The God Who Speaks" that AFA produced in 2018. So. Um, yeah, I mean, Alistair Begg is somebody that I, I approach this tenderly in one sense, but also I couldn't help but feel that same knot in my stomach when I was hearing the reports and, and starting to hear what he actually said there, because that is not sound counsel as a pastor to a woman seeking seeking to have confidence that she is making the right decision. Um, you know, we can talk about kind of pastoral counsel and all of those kinds of things, but, you know, his, his statements, when I first heard them, I thought, 
he's clear. He knows exactly what he's saying. This is something that he has considered. He's measured. He is planning to say it. And he recognizes also, you know, he makes a comment that some people may not like the answer, you know, acknowledging that he he realizes that what he's about to say will be controversial uh, to some, perhaps many in his listening audience. And and even perhaps to the to the the grandmother who was asking about it. So, you know, I hear that in the answer. I hear, um, you know, this false dichotomy that he talks about that your love might catch them off guard, but your absence would only reinforce, you know, their feeling of isolation and bigotry and all of these kind of negative things that they've associated with the church. And, you know, I just, I, I would strongly disagree with that statement um, that, that the only way that you show love in this situation is, is by being at this wedding. Now I know that uh, pastor Begg has already walked back, not not fully walked back his comments, but he tried to add some additional context and quite frankly, just convoluted things with his Sunday message that um, that tried to speak more about this and kind of acted like there was, um, you know, some situations where he might he might say something different than he, he said to this woman as if there's this, you know, array of various answers he might give. But when he gives this, he gives him he gives this answer as emblematic of how Christians should respond in the situation. So I, I, I would push back against his, his attempt to try and uh, nuance this as somehow representative of a piece of pastoral counseling rather than representative, because he really does seem to place it as you can be on the side of Jesus or you can be on the side of the Pharisees. This is his later, his later comments that he did uh, this past Sunday in his sermon. And so he, he, he places it in those two categories that you're being pharisaical if you have a problem with his advice, but Jesus is the way of, uh, of going to the wedding, bringing a gift, celebrating this to some degree, even though, you know, in your heart, you're kind of torn up about it. But as long as you made it, as long as you said that you were a Christian and that you are committed to following Jesus and this isn't a good uh, lifestyle to pursue, then you're okay to to follow this and you know he 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 hedges it with it's a fine line well what is so fine about what you're going to have to expand that out you know pastor right. because the fine line here seems to be that you are as as a grandmother as a family member or as a, as a friend that you are endorsing this th- these choices and this lifestyle and this commitment and this religious ceremony that is is taking place, and um, you know that's that's just not <laughs> that's not how Christians should respond. I mean, right. I, I thought we had a better view of marriage than that. I thought we respected um, the sanctity of marriage more than that to to lend credence. And, and there's a number of points of objections that critics have given. I, I'd like to work through those, you know, sure. perhaps at some point in this in this time. But, you know, that's that's my initial, um, you know, just hearing the audio again and thinking through, you know, his response. I, I mean, I, I will say this. I don't think that Pastor Begg is coming from a point of deep um, theological error in the sense that he has embraced the affirming church or right, he right. is 
speaking, you know, trying to affirm that homosexuality is right and good. I mean, he's been very clear on his statements regarding that. He even had a very recent, I mean, within the past year, I feel like, series on Romans 1 uh, that talked about um, the, in very clear and, and helpful terms, I thought, the issues regarding homosexuality, which makes this all the more baffling, Yes, frankly, Chris, that, that he would he would say these things and and take that that good theology that seems to be clearly and carefully understood and then to apply it pastorally in this way that just seems it just seems to miss it it just seems to to act like um you you as a as a christian you you have to endorse this to some degree in order to show the person that you love them and and this is this is part of why christians stood against the the push for gay marriage you know, in the in the nineties and two thousands, this is part of the warning: is that once you open up this door, you create a new category, and then it creates all kinds of confusion and turmoil in the hearts and lives of people as Christians come to these issues, and then they're faced with these kinds of questions that they wouldn't have been faced with, you know, twenty years ago. So, when did um, the, when did this anyway. actually happen? When did he say these things? Uh, I believe the podcast was actually back in September, and then someone. Oh. Um, recognized that that these things had happened and then it, it started to come around and find some circulation on so, social media last week right uh, that's you know, when i first of, heard about uh, it middle of january yeah and it's just utterly remarkable because he is a very biblically literate person and theologically astute and it it Seems to me now. I have not kept up with Alistair on everything that he has said or written over the years, but one of the things that I remembered clearly about him when I first heard him speak at that radio rally back in, I believe it was the 1990s, might have been the early 2000s, uh, and also having him on my show, is he struck me as a straight shooter. He struck me as someone who was not uh, so overly concerned about people's feelings that he would water down uh, and dilute whatever message he was presenting in order to appease them. In fact, I remember how impressed I was, and and, and this may offend some folks listening who are Pentecostal or charismatic, and I don't intend to offend you offend you but uh during that radio rally when i first encountered alistair there was a q a session and somebody asked what his views were on tongues and Mm. alistair didn't know who was in that room and he just spoke from the heart from what he knew and believed about what the scriptures teach and he very strongly denounced the modern-day tongues movement. And he wasn't going to allow the hurt feelings of anybody in the audience to stop him from doing that. Uh, and even on my show, I can remember a couple of occasions. Uh, the first time I interviewed him, it was a live call-in show that I had conducted back in uh Starting in 2005, my show was a live call-in show. I, uh, since relocating from New York to Pennsylvania, it's an email-in question program. 
Uh, but uh, WNYG Radio and WGBB Radio in Babylon, uh, we had live calls. And I remember him unintentionally, I don't think he intended to insult callers, but he was very clear and firm in his answers to their questions that they did not like. So this is just something that seems to be out of character for him all around, unless he has changed in his manner in a way that I didn't know. Are you aware of anything about him becoming more intentionally soft and kind and accommodating to people, uh, regardless of what the, the message may be? No, in fact, that's part of what was so surprising about this. I mean, I alluded to hearing him speak about homosexuality just within the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, whenever that that series was up on Truth For Life. And uh, it was a two-part sermon um, about God giving them over. And it was, I thought, a very, you know, I've I've listened to a lot of Christian leaders speak about homosexuality. Uh, I wrote the book Dangerous Affirmation, which deals with the the threat of gay Christianity within the church and the little, the little subtle inroads that have been made with language, with accommodations, and, and different ways that people try and, um, you know, present things in ways that doesn't step on certain people's toes, but also shows affinity to, to different group dynamics within the room. You know, all very oftentimes very subtle, very nuanced things that, that the average listener doesn't catch. And, you know, listening, listening to him speak, I, I was really edified actually by the way that he treated the subject, the way that he, he brought in some of the scientific data on it and talked about causality, which is something that quite frankly, many people within not just the reform world, but within Southern Baptists, within uh, other, other, uh, you know, Wesleyan circles and different things. People don't want to talk about the causality behind homosexuality, but he was willing to address that and at least include that as a part of the conversation. So, he, you know, I, I wouldn't even put him in the side B revoice Preston Sprinkle kind of kind of camp because he wasn't he wasn't speaking in that way. He wasn't making any any nods or illusions that would make me think, well, that kind of sounds like side B um, thinking. Until this most recent thing, and that's that. Those are some of the things that I'm hearing. I'm not saying that he's given himself over to side B ideology because there's other ways that he frames things that are very distinct from how side B people would do it. But I, I think there's just this. I, I think a lot of Christians and a lot of Christian leaders are struck by just how hostile the climate is regarding sexuality. And how marginalized Christians are and, in, and are increasingly becoming in speaking about this. And so a lot of people are tempted to find small ways where they wouldn't have felt comfortable talking about this or doing this, you know, two or three years ago. But now they feel a little more comfortable doing it because they feel like it's already a bit of a lost cause, so to speak. You know, presenting Christ and, and speaking about these things is it, it almost feels like an effort that people aren't really going to listen. You've got to find a way to make the, the little inroad. And so you've got to do something uncomfortable before they'll be willing to hear something uncomfortable, that kind of thing. I think maybe that's at work here in, in kind of the, the pastoral thinking. But, um, but like I said, I mean, that's, I believe that's, that's dangerous. And it also presents a false way of viewing it as if the opportunity comes 
by attending the wedding. But is it not, not attending the wedding also creating an opportunity to share Christ and present yes. a, a clear Christian witness on this? Uh, and doesn't that actually open up the conversation? Yes. Um, in, in a very clear context where you aren't, where it's clear you're not in any way affirming. I mean, everyone who's there at the wedding, they don't know the personal convictions that you hold. They don't see the inner life and the the struggles and the conversations that have happened behind closed doors. They just see you there clapping, watching, smiling, being happy with the thing that's taking place there as two people commit to, you know, perpetual abomination together, you know, and, and, and there's really no, there's no outlet for, for, for life there. You know, that's, that's only a dead end street. That's only something that is, it is going to create greater and greater condemnation on them spiritually, even as they find greater and greater affirmation within the eyes of the world and the eyes of friends and family and loved ones. And yet you standing there distinctly as a Christian on the outside, that's, that's the clearer witness for Christ. And, and we obviously, you know, the, the, the challenging part of that is that we don't get to control how people see that. You know, we don't get to control how somebody responds to our efforts either to show love or to show, um, you know, a, a commitment to a Christian cause. We don't control that. I mean, you even being there, there's no guarantee that this person actually sees that as loving. Um, you know, it, and his his updated message, you know, that he did on Sunday, he talked about the woman, uh, the grandmother showing up with a Bible, and that's the gift that she's giving. You know, she's giving a Bible uh, to her grandson or, or granddaughter. Um you know, how, how is that going to be received? You know, I mean, we, we can we can extrapolate all kinds of, of scenarios there. But really, I mean, you have to have a clear commitment to, to biblical truth. You have to be willing to take a hard stand sometimes, even if it puts you in opposition to to friends and family members. And you have to be willing to to endure ridicule and scorn that comes along with that. And you have to be willing to have the conversation and and the boldness to speak a word for Christ in that circumstance, because you know I, I would wager that in most in most situations, you know when he says uh, have you have you does your grandchild understand that you are committed to Jesus and and she says yes, well you know it, in what way <laughs> you know how right. how clear have you been on that um, is it just like they've seen uh, a, 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 st- a stitched Bible verse on, on the the door of the house, you know, or have you really engaged in deep spiritual conversations, trying to point your your children and grandchildren toward Christ, praying for them, you know, you're, you're committed in a local church. All of those things are clear and evident. So of course, you know, there's the expectation that you would you would be along, uh, you would be opposed to whatever they would present. But then there is that additional step of See when we get these when we get these questions from from friends and family members, they're always te- it's a test. There's always a test element that's part of it, whether that's purely spiritual or whether it's the individual trying to test our commitment and see really where is this person. But if our love for them has been clear up to the, this point and our commitment to Christ has been clear to this point, then you can say I'm not going to that gay wedding. I'm not going to promote this. I'm not going to offer my my uh, participation in this in a way that that would would appear to everybody else as congratulatory. 
because I'm going to trust that I've built enough in the relationship there to withstand something like this. And I trust the God who has laid this on my heart to say and do these things that he is able to sustain this relationship through, through whatever the difficulty of what this person's response might be and open additional opportunities for the gospel to be clearly brought out, to be considered because the, the bottom line of it is Chris, this grandson in this, in this scenario, what is, what is the sin that in his mind he knows he doesn't want to deal with when it comes to the claims of Christ and what it means to be a follower? It, it, it's gotta be the, 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 all of this identity stuff, you know, the transgenderism or the, or the homosexuality, whatever the case may be, one of the, those, those things are fr- first and foremost in his mind as he's thinking about how he will respond to a Christian and what his participation in church is going to be. And so for Christians to kind of back out and cower and act like, well, we're not going to make a big deal about that or we're not even going to address it is to, to actually go against the thing that is the, the, the roadblock in the way. And, and that just seems like it's negligent of, of what Christ would call us to do and what, how we should bear a clearer witness in this world for him. Amen. And we have to go to our first commercial break. If anybody would like to join us with a question of your own, our email address is chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, your city and state of residence, and your country of residence if you live outside the USA. Please only remain anonymous if your question involves a personal and private matter, and I could readily understand this topic evoking questions that are indeed personal and private. And we'd love to hear from you whether or not you uh, agree with my guest. You can disagree with him vehemently, and we would love to hear from you nonetheless. So don't go away. We'll be right back after these messages. Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church, a Christ-centered, gospel-driven church looking to spread the gospel in the southwest portion of Long Island, New York, and play our role in fulfilling the Great Commission, supporting and sending for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're delighted to be a part of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron Radio advertising family. At Lindbrook Baptist Church, we believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God inerrant in the original writings, complete as the revelation of God's will for salvation, and the supreme and final authority in all matters to which they speak. We believe in salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. This salvation is based upon the sovereign grace of God, was purchased by Christ on the cross, and is received through faith alone, apart from any human merit, works, or ritual. Salvation in Christ also results in righteous living, good works, and appropriate respect and concern for all who bear God's image. If you live near Lynbrook, Long Island, or if you're just passing through on the Lord's Day, we'd love to have you come and join us in worship. For details, visit lynbrookbaptist.org. That's L-Y-N-Brookbaptist.org. 
This is Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church reminding you that by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. May the Lord bless you in the knowledge of himself. I'm Phil Johnson, Executive Director of Grace to You with John MacArthur. I've been a frequent guest on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, and I highly recommend this show. But today I want to tell you about one of its advertisers, Rare Document Traders. Far and away, my favorite source for quality Charles Spurgeon memorabilia. Are you looking for that special, unique gift for your pastor or missionary friend or a loved one? Why not purchase a piece of church history that any believer would cherish? Rare Document Traders is your one-step source for Spurgeon's handwritten manuscripts and letters, as well as other rare books and collectible items from church history. In 15 years that they've been in business, they've earned a stellar reputation in the Reformed community with thousands of satisfied customers all around the world, including me. Visit raredoctraders.com today. That's raredoctraders.com. Don't forget to mention you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. That's raredoctraders.com. Hi, I'm Brian McLaughlin, president of the SecureCom Group and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing, and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit securecomgroup.com. That's securecomgroup.com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Iron Sharpens Iron Radio praise God for the generous monthly financial support of Royal Diadem Jewelers, educated by and affiliated with the American Gem Society, Jewelers of America, and the
the Gemological Institute of America. For the perfect custom-designed engagement ring or any one-of-a-kind piece of jewelry created exactly according to your imagination and specifications, Royal Diadem Jewelers has you covered. No matter where you live in the world, Royal Diadem will walk you step-by-step through every stage of the process and even hold a high-tech internet virtual visit using state-of-the-art jewelry design technology to serve you. They start by listening carefully to determine your needs. They're interested in making what you want, not what they want to sell you. From rough design to digital model, to photorealistic image, to wax prototype model, to the finished product, they're continually listening to your input, likes and dislikes, making any changes necessary along the way. This will ensure that your custom jewellery will turn out exactly as you dreamed and well beyond your expectations. Visit royaldiadem.com. That's royaldiadem.com today. Sterling Vanderwerker, owner of Royal Diadem Jewellers, his wife Bronnie, his business partner and manager Brian Wilson, and the entire family thank you all for listening to, praying for, and supporting the work of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And please don't forget, folks, that RoyalDiadem.com is still offering Iron Sharpens Iron Radio this mind-blowing opportunity. They are giving us 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry to an Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listener, as long as that listener mentions Iron Sharpens Iron Radio when making their jewelry purchase. So please go to RoyalDiadem.com as soon as possible. At least get the ball rolling for the purchase you want to make. Uh, especially with Valentine's Day coming up right around the corner. And uh, mention Iron Trip and Zion Radio because we have no idea when they're going to pull the plug on this offer to us where we get 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry to one of our listeners. So go to royaldiadem.com today, mention Iron Trip and Zion Radio. We're now back with MD Perkins, and we are talking about the controversy surrounding Alistair Begg and his recommendation during a podcast to a grandmother uh, to attend her grandson's transgendered wedding or wedding to a so-called transgendered person uh, in order to demonstrate to that person their her love for him and to dismantle stereotypes of Christians being hateful and bigoted. And, of course, he did include the caveat that uh, that the grandmother makes certain that her position, her biblical position against this behavior was made clear. But it seems to me, uh, MD, that at the heart of this issue is the question, what is truly an act of Christian love? There seems to be, I mean, I was actually stunned by the avalanche of Christians who were upset by our interview today when I was promoting it in social media, uh, because they are of this mindset that kindness, politeness, and affirmation are always acts of Christian love, even when you're facing something that is an abomination, a dare I say even satanic uh, and it's mind-boggling because I don't think that these people who are reacting this way, in fact, I don't even think 
Pastor Begg, is if you were to examine everything he said and did, I don't think that you would find anybody who is a professing Christian, especially if they believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, to logically and consistently maintain this mindset in all areas. There's definitely going to be areas where they're inconsistent. But what do you think about that comment about the very definition of what is an act of love, Christian love? It seems to be at the very heart of this. Yeah, I think that's a good point to bring up. The when we talk about Christian love, I mean, we typically begin by thinking, by talking about our love for others. But what does what is Christian love? First of all, entails love for Christ, and so loving Christ. What does it mean if you love Christ? It means you keep His commandments. It means that you are aware of what God is like, who He is, what He's commanded, and that you want to live consistently with that. So then, that's that. That's the first order, you know, the first table of the commandments is, is, is love for God. And then from that comes our love for others, which includes our neighbor, which includes our, our fellow church member, which includes, you know, the lost and dying world out there that we're trying to reach for Christ or just, or just show compassion to, you know, show compassionate mercy toward. But all of that has to be rooted in, in a clarity regarding what our first love is. And our first love has to be front and cent- front and center it has to be central it has to be foundational and for us to to compromise the the love for Christ by our acts of somehow kindness or affirmation or politeness or whatever is that that's that's the problem here is is there's there's a misdefinition i guess at, at work here or, or misdiagnosis of what the real problem is that you know is is the problem that the person hasn't uh, the the person here in this scenario the grandson um sees sees his grandmother as bigoted and so she has to respond to that uh, because as a christian she doesn't want to be seen as a bigot well like i said before you can't help how someone receives what you have said or what you've done. Now, there may be cause to say that the grandmother has not presented a clear Christian witness, or perhaps she's said things that undermine that in different ways. Perhaps she has spoken in ways that that seem to that seem to present a different picture or things that she even regrets or things that the Lord needs to work uh, draw her to to repent of even even herself. But the speaking on these issues, you know, I, I decided to go back and, and check in on, on the Westminster Confession of Faith on this and the Westminster Larger Catechism. Just, you know, there's those great definitions of, of the Ten Commandments within there. There's the definition, actually, of marriage um, within, within the Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 24, um, that mentions all the things that we would recognize. You know, marriage was ordained for the mutual help of husband and wife for the increase of mankind with legitimate issue and of the church with a holy seed and for the preventing of uncleanness. And it's that last piece along with, I mean, obviously everything else there, but it's that last piece, which is something that, um, that cannot, that can't happen within a, a homosexual marriage. You can't prevent uncleanness within a homosexual marriage by, by issuing the marriage. So there, there's an element there, 
But then, so what about our, our witness? Well, Westminster Larger Catechism number 145, uh, what, what sins are forbidden by the ninth commandment? You know, the, the commandment of bearing false witness. You know, a whole list of things are listed. But uh, wittingly appearing and pleading for an evil cause is listed in that list, along with calling evil good and good evil. So, you know, I, I think within that wittingly appearing and pleading for an evil cause, obviously a court case is, is, is clearly in mind. But, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, a, a wedding, at least in terms of the state, as well as in terms of our, our religion, I mean, we're, this is, this is um, pleading for a cause. You know, you were pleading that the, these people would be married, that this is, this is what needs to happen and that you were happy to participate in this. So you doing that is bearing false witness, which the Lord will not bless. And so there's no reason to expect that your, your witness within that scenario of calling evil good is something that, um, that would be honored by God and, 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 open up that door of opportunity. And I, I mean, we are also warned about, you know, boldly confronting and defeating truth, which is what's happening there in the wedding, but also overbearing the truth, which means to be arrogantly domineering. And so that's what I was alluding to earlier, you know, like maybe the grandmother had not, in some scenario, you know, maybe you haven't been as as kind or as loving in your personal responses with the person. But, um you know, you can't, we still have to boldly confront and defeat uh, lies. And, and this is a situation where even appearing there is in essence pleading for an evil cause. And so I, I think that is something where Reformed Christians in particular, you know, if you, if, even if you're a Reformed Baptist and you hold to, you know, a slight different variation of the Westminster Confession, you obviously recognize, you know, the the, the biblical wisdom involved in the Westminster Confession of Faith and the larger catechism and so on. So I, I think that's a, that's a piece of this that, that needs to be upheld. And another thing I would say, Chris, that tends to go unrecognized by Christians is just the spiritual battleground that homosexuality and transgenderism are in our culture today. These are not areas where we just um, can kind of agree to disagree and everything will continue on fine. I mean, how do you how do you answer the reason behind the intense emotional conflict over this issue? It's spiritually motivated. There is a, there's a spiritual enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy those who are locked in bondage to these ideologies and identities and behaviors and attractions and say that you are this way, you cannot change, and everyone else is wrong for thinking that you're wrong. And that is that is the, the spiritual root of this intense animus. That, and so Christians do have to be careful not to be driven to, to hatred or frustration or just like just giving up on this whole battle just because it feels like the culture is completely against you. But at the same time, we have to recognize the spiritual nature of the battle. And so if you concede ground spiritually, you don't necessarily get that back. I mean, that's not something that just comes back to you when you say, oh, I- I'm sorry, you know, like uh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I mean, you've already conceded the ground and it takes months, years, perhaps decades in order to restore 
what was lost and given up in an instant. And so Christians have to be in, in, in increasingly mindful of the spiritual nature of these these debates, that this isn't just political ideologies kind of hashing it out and like it's it's some kind of vying for power by the Christian right versus the left or something like this. No, this is spiritual warfare, and, and Christians need to be mindful of that. And another thing is there is obviously a clear contradiction in Alistair Begg's counsel to this grandmother because he's saying, you know, are you making it clear to your grandson that you do not countenance this <laughs> behavior, this union, etc.? Well, how much more vividly does it make it appear that you are countenancing it by joining in a celebration and giving a gift to the people involved in this? I mean, yeah, and this was a good point. That's a great point. I mean, that and that was brought out by an article by uh, Pastor Kelly Williams. I'm not familiar with him, but I was sent a Pathios blog by him, and he he brings up the countenance question. He's you know the definition: if someone for for countenance, if someone will not countenance something, they do not agree with it and will not allow it to happen. And then he comments: as Christians, when we engage a formal ceremony with our faces turned toward the altar of the ceremony, we are giving credence and approval to the ceremony we are attending, and anything beyond this is a representation of approval. So, I mean, that's you know, the, you're right. I mean, he's he's contradicting himself there, which I don't think he can help but do because that's that's what these kinds of bridge building efforts do between between the Christian church and the the, the quote-unquote gay or LGBT community. Um, there have been many such efforts over the years. Uh, I first, well, so historically they go back to the late 90s and uh, a, a website called Bridges Across the Divide. By the way, could, you, actually could, could, you, the, could you pick up on Bridges Across the Divide when we return from our midway break? Oh, sure. Yeah. And just don't forget where you left off there. And please be patient with us, <laughs> folks. This is the middle break, which is always a little longer, but we'll be right back after these messages. Puritan Reformed is a Bible-believing, kingdom-building, devil-fighting church. We are devoted to upholding the apostolic doctrine and practice preserved in Scripture alone. Puritan Reformed teaches men to rule and lead as image-bearing prophets, priests, and kings. We teach families to worship together as families. Puritan is committed to teaching the whole counsel of God so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. We sing the Psalms, teach the law, proclaim the gospel, make disciples, maintain discipline, and exalt Christ. This is Pastor David Reese of Puritan Reformed in Phoenix, Arizona. Join us in the glorious cause of advancing Christ's crown and covenant over the kings of the earth. Puritan Reformed Church. Believe. Build. Fight. PuritanPHX.com I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President Emeritus and Professor of Systematic and Applied Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Every Christian who's serious about the Reformed faith and the Westminster Standards should have and use the eight-volume commentary on the theology and ethics of the Westminster Larger Catechism titled 
Authentic Christianity by Dr. Joseph Moorcraft. It is much more than an exposition of the larger catechism. It is a thoroughly researched work that utilizes biblical exegesis as well as historical and systematic theology. Dr. Moorcraft is pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, and I urge everyone looking for a biblically faithful church in that area to visit that fine congregation. For details on the eight-volume commentary, go to westminstercommentary.com, westminstercommentary.com. For details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, visit heritagepresbyterianchurch.com, heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. Please tell Dr. Moorcraft and the saints at Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, that Dr. Joseph Piper of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary sent you. Have you noticed the gap that exists between the Sunday morning sermon and the Sunday school classroom or the small group study? So often we experience great preaching from the pulpit, but when it comes time to study God's Word in those smaller settings, well, let's be honest, it leaves a lot to be desired. It seems like it is nearly impossible to find good curriculum out there today that is true to the Word of God and is built upon sound doctrine. Much less, it's hard to find curriculum that will actually teach people how to study the Bible. Hi there, my name is Jordan Too, and I am the Executive Director of the Baptist Publishing House. Our ministry is dedicated to providing local churches with sound Bible study resources. Our quarterly curriculum is titled The Baptist Expositor, and for good reason. We are Baptist, and we exegete the Scriptures. If you want to have a curriculum that teaches your people how to study the Word of God, I invite you, go to our website, download a free study, BaptistPublishingHouse.com. May God bless you. When Iron Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005, the publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. This is Daryl Bernard Harrison, co-host of the Just Thinking Podcast, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Tom Buck of First Baptist Church in Lindell, Texas, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Kent Keller of Faith Bible Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Andrew Rappaport, the founder and executive director at Striving for Eternity Ministries, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Mark Romaldi, pastor of Sovereign Grace Church of Greenbrier, Tennessee, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Christopher Cookston, pastor of Prineville Community Church in Prineville, Oregon, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Matt Tarr, pastor of High Point Baptist Church in Larksville, Pennsylvania, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order. 
Hello, my name is Anthony Uvinio, and I'm one of the pastors at Hope Reform Baptist Church in Quorum, New York, and also the host of the ReformRookie.com website. I want you to know that if you enjoy listening to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show like I do, you can now find it on the Apple's iTunes app by typing Iron Sharpens Iron Radio in the search bar. You no longer have to worry about missing a show or a special guest because you're in your car or still at work. Just subscribe on the iTunes app and listen to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show at any time, day or night. Please be sure to also give it a good review and pass it along to anyone who would benefit from the teaching and the many solidly reformed guests that Chris Arnson has on the show. Truth is so hard to come by these days, so don't waste your time with fluff or fake news. Subscribe to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio podcast right now. And while you're at it, you can also sign up for the ReformRookie.com podcast and visit our website and the YouTube page. We are dedicated to teaching Christian theology from a Reformed Baptist perspective to beginners in the faith as well as seasoned believers. From Keech's Catechism and the Doctrines of Grace to the Olivet Discourse and the Book of Leviticus, the Reform Rookie podcast and YouTube channel is sure to have something to offer everyone seeking biblical truth. And finally, if you're looking to worship in a Reformed church that holds to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, please join us at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, New York. Again, I'm Pastor Anthony Avenio, and thanks for listening. If you love Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, one of the best ways you can help keep the show on the air is by supporting our advertisers. One such faithful advertiser who really believes in what Chris Arnzen is doing is Daniel P. Patafuco serious injury lawyer and Christian apologist. Dan is the president and founder of the Historical Bible Society. Their mission? To foster belief in the credibility of Scripture as the written Word of God. They go to various churches, schools and institutions to publicly display a rare collection of biblical texts along with a fascinating presentation by Mr. Butterfuco demonstrating the reliability of Scripture. To advance the cause of the gospel, they created a beautiful, perfect facsimile of the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the original engravings contained in a first edition 1611 King James Bible. This 17th century hand-engraved chart shows the family tree of Jesus Christ going back to Adam and Eve. This book is complete with gorgeous full-size illustrations of Noah's Ark, and the Tower of Babel, and an explanation of why the genealogy of Jesus is so important for his claims to the throne of the universe. Originals of this work are in museums, and nobody has ever made it accessible to the public in a large book form before. You can have your own copy of this 44-page genealogy book for a donation of $35 or more. Visit historicalbiblesociety.org. That's historicalbiblesociety.org. Thanks for helping to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. This is Pastor Bill Sasso, Grace Church at Franklin, here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. Our congregation is one of a growing number of churches who love and support Iron Sharpens Iron Radio financially. Grace Church at Franklin is an independent, 
autonomous body of believers which strives to clearly declare the whole counsel of God as revealed in Scripture through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the end for which we strive is the glory of God. If you live near Franklin, Tennessee, and Franklin is just south of Nashville, maybe 10 minutes, or you are visiting this area, or you have friends and loved ones nearby, we hope you will join us some Lord's Day in worshiping our God and Savior. Please feel free to contact me if you have more questions about Grace Church at Franklin. Our website is gracechurchatfranklin.org. That's gracechurchatfranklin.org. This is Pastor Bill Sasser wishing you all the richest blessings of our sovereign Lord, God, Savior, and King Jesus Christ today and always. James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries here. If you've watched my Dividing Line webcast often enough, you know I have a great love for getting Bibles and other documents vital to my ministry rebound to preserve and ensure their longevity. And besides that, they feel so good. I'm so delighted I discovered Post Tenebris Lux Bible Rebinding. No radio ad will be long enough to sing their praises sufficiently, but I'll give it a shot. Jeffrey Rice of Post Tenebris Lux is a remarkably gifted craftsman and artisan. All his work is done by hand from the cutting to the pleating of corners to the perimeter stitching. Jeffrey uses the finest in buttery soft imported leathers in a wide variety of gorgeous colors like the turquoise goat skin tanned in Italy used for my Nessie Allen 28th edition with a navy blue goat skin inside liner and the electric blue goat skin from a French tannery used to rebind a Reformation study Bible I used as a gift. The silver gilding he added on the page edges has a stunning mirror finish resembling highly polished chrome. Jeffrey will customize your rebinding to your specifications and even emboss your logo into the leather, making whatever he rebinds a one-of-a-kind work of art. For more details on Post Tenebris Lux Bible Rebinding, go to ptlbiblerebinding.com. That's ptlbiblerebinding.com. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And let me heartily recommend a book available from solid-ground-books.com, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age by my dear friend Rosaria Butterfield and uh, Rosaria is a former uh, person uh, who was enslaved to the sin of lesbianism, 
and she was a leftist, a Marxist, and uh, she was saved by the precious and merciful grace of God and is now speaking out against these things that are an abomination to God, both in her public speaking engagements and in her writing. And uh, so go to solid-ground-books.com and you ask for five lies of our anti-Christian age by Rosaria Butterfield. And by the way, she highly regards and recommends uh, the book uh, by M.D. Perkins, my guest today, Dangerous Affirmation. And uh, there are other titles available from solid-ground-books.com that reflect on our topic including uh, one by my friend Dr. James R. White of Alpha and Omega Ministries, another enthusiastic promoter of M.D. Perkins' book. Uh, Dr. White co-authored the book, The Same-Sex Controversy, Defending and Clarifying the Bible's Message About Homosexuality. So uh, please go to solid-ground-books.com frequently, purchase generously. Always mention that you heard about them from Chris Arnzen of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Before I return to my guest, M.D. Perkins, as we continue to discuss the controversy surrounding Alistair Begg and his recommendation to a grandmother to attend her grandson's so-called wedding to a transgendered person, uh, we have some important announcements to make. Please, folks, if you love this show, you don't want it to go off the air, go to irontrepensignradio.com, click support, then click, click to donate now. You can donate instantly with a debit or credit card. If you prefer snail mail, there will be a physical address that appears on your screen as well. When you click support at irontrepensignradio.com, where you can mail your checks made payable to Iron Radio. If you want to advertise, as long as whatever it is you want to promote is compatible with what I believe, I would love to help you launch an ad campaign because we're just as much in urgent need of your advertising dollars as your donations. So send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put advertising in the subject line. Always keep in mind, I never want anybody in my audience to give their own church less money than you normally give your church on the Lord's Day in order to give Iron Sharpen Zion Radio a financial gift. And please also remember, if you're really struggling to survive, wait until you're back on your feet and more stable financially before you give us a financial gift. The Bible's very clear that we're primarily to use the money with which he has blessed us, which is still his money. We're primarily to use that to support our church and our family, and providing for my radio show is obviously not a command of God, but if you do love this show, you don't want it to disappear, and you are blessed financially above and beyond your ability to support church and family, and you have extra money for benevolent, recreational, and trivial purposes, please share some of that money with us if you want this show to continue to exist. Go to irontrepensionradio.com, click support, then click click to donate. Now, last but not least, if you are not a member of a biblically faithful, Christ-honoring, theologically sound, doctrinally solid church, no matter where you live in the world, I may be able to help you find a church near you, as I have done with many people spanning the globe in the Iron Trip and Zion Radio audience. Just send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put, I need a church, in the subject line. That's also the email address where you could send in a question to M.D. Perkins. And I'm wondering if uh, M.D. is with us right now. I'm hearing that. Yes, sir. Okay. I'm hearing that strange noise, like uh, somebody's trying to join a Zoom meeting or something. Uh, okay. Not sure what, why, where that's coming from. But um, you were, before the break, about to uh, let our listeners know something about... Uh, 
building bridges or something, an organization or a movement that involved yes. an evangelical approach to reaching those involved in homosexual sin? Yes. Yeah, so this we call it bridge-building efforts. It's just a way of describing the particular approach that some people have tried to take in regards to they, they see the divide between Christianity and homosexuality, between the church and the LGBT community, so to speak. And they want to find a way, like, how can these be a little more compatible, a little more listening to one another and those kinds of things. And so this kind of effort, you know, I mean, very recently you had things like the unconditional conference that took place at Andy Stanley's church where he brought in, um, speakers who are gay affirming to try and talk to parents about how do you build bridges with your, your gay or lesbian or, or bisexual or transgender child. And then, um, but going back, there's a whole history to these things and they've always failed. They've always failed to produce both the cohesion that they promise as well as um, what they end up doing is creating confusion and creating um creating a lot of bitterness that ends up rising up. You had the, the bridges across the divide, which was a website started actually by a gay, a gay rights activist in 1996 that was trying to do this to make inroads into the church in order to, to try and weaken the church's position on this so that they would be more accommodating of homosexuality and to begin to accommodate certain political uh, objectives of the gay agenda. And then that, that whole idea gave birth to the side B language mm-hmm. that we use because guys like uh, Wesley Hill and Justin Lee, Justin Lee um, is a gay affirming Christian author, you know, quote unquote Christian author, but he is a, um, but he was part of these early dialogues. Ron Bell Gal was a part of this. He, he was a formidable part of uh, spiritual friendship and that website. So this, this website kind of gave rise to a lot of the language that became revoice. And so it's interesting that it has political goals in mind by someone who's not a Christian, not even professing Christian, not even, you know, a progressive or liberal Christian, right. just somebody who was, who was trying to co-opt, uh, the, the church into weakening their position on this. And then that gave rise to things like Andrew Marin and his love as an orientation thing that came through. Um, I believe Zondervan ended up producing either a, a video series or the book itself related to that. And that was in around 2009. But these things have always ended with the people who were involved leaving with some kind of bitterness and frustration over how it never materialized the way that they were supposed to. And they're still blaming the church for this. And so when people try and say, but this is just, you know, in in a small way, this is just a way that this grandmother can build a bridge with her grandchild. um, That's not how it works. You know, these, these things have never really come to fruition because you don't recognize the spiritual battleground there. And to the point we were making earlier, you're not really properly defining Christian love because a piece of love, at least how it's defined in first Corinthians 13 is that love doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And so how can Christians possibly hold on to the truth while alongside a group that is wanting to rejoice at wrongdoing and present that and celebrate that and take pride in that and reduce the shame that's associated with it. Um, 
it's impossible. It's going to fail mm-hmm. every time. All it does is compromise the, the church's witness mm-hmm. and and ultimately not not come to anything fruitful except to cre- increase confusion and compromise within the church. Let me go to a couple of listener questions, at least, before we return to the main points that you want to make. And uh, let's see. We have Cindy in Findlay, Ohio. Cindy says, Hello, Mr. Perkins and Chris. I love Alistair Begg as much as anyone and have listened to him daily seven days a week since I became familiar with him around five years ago. Although I actually agree with some of the points made on his Sunday video regarding Phariseeism, I don't think they apply in this case and don't agree with the advice given to the grandmother. I have emailed his ministry three times in tears, pleading that he could reconsider his position and pray daily for him. One thing I sense in listening to him for the last five years is his intense love for God and his desire for the lost to come to Christ. He genuinely loves the lost. I'm not defending his stance in any way, but it is bothersome to see on social media that because of this comment, he is now considered a heretic. As you've already stated, he is extremely sound in his theology and a great blessing to the church. I do not agree with the premise that he has become soft on his stance against homosexuality, transgenderism, or gay marriage. I don't believe he is caving in in his beliefs, but rather greatly desiring to show a particular segment of society that the Christian community does not hate them. However, misplaced his methodology may be. His poor judgment is not due to a slide in Christian morals, but a desire to show love, albeit not in the way most uh, would consider as biblically sound. At what point would you consider this type of advice to be heretical or consider the person giving such advice a heretic? Well, heresy is a specific category of um, of error. My my issues with Pastor Begg on this point is that this is this is wrong Christian counsel, and that it is dangerous and um, you know in error. And in, in terms of heresy, I mean that's. That's a that's a category that we typically reserve theologically when we're speaking about um, doctri- core doctrinal issues of the Christian faith, and um, you know this can certainly uh, lead someone to take on heretical views, but I don't think it's an expression of a heretical view in itself, um, if that makes sense. <laughs> Well, thank you, uh, Cindy, and you've won a copy of M.D. Perkins' book, Dangerous Affirmation. Please make sure that we receive your full mailing address in Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service, cvbbs.com. We'll ship that out to you. Uh, We have an anonymous uh, listener who says, uh, let's see here. Actually, he broke it up into two emails. Um, Should a congregation be made aware that one of their elders' daughter got married to another woman. The daughter is an adult and not living at home. Did you hear that, MD? Uh, 
Yes, I heard it. So, so the question is basically calling out the daughter as being um, in this lesbian relationship um, because she's the daughter of an elder. I mean, that would. I feel like that's a question regarding um, church discipline and a case in which you know is is she a member of the church? Is has she? received any correspondence from the session if if yes then then maybe there's a need to to bring it up because it hasn't been dealt with in the way that it should if it's just a a matter of this girl has kind of gone her own path she's walked away from the lord um the elder it, it i guess part of the the listener question may be regarding is the elder disqualified automatically because he has a son or a daughter who is who is homosexual. I mean, I, I would not say that the elder is automatically disqualified because of that. Um, but uh, it, it would the the issue of bringing the matter up before the church would really be regarding um, is she is she held as a member of the church and have the steps of proper church discipline taken place to to respond to where she is currently spiritually, and then if so, then then there that would be the opportunity to bring up some issue to the wider body but other than that um it, it's really just a personal matter the family that you would want to to pray through and, and find ways to to help uh show spiritual support and love to to those who are involved and and hopefully i mean if if they're hopefully the the elder is bothered and grieved by this situation if not then that's then that would be a different matter <laughs> altogether if if the uh, if the elder is supportive of this and is basically starting to capitulate on lgbt type issues then that would be a different concern to bring forward well uh thank you anonymous and please give me your full name and mailing address because cvbbs.com will also mail you a free copy of md perkins book dangerous affirmation now one of the things that has been a common uh, protest in regard to us even having this discussion is that too many Christians, perhaps even especially Reformed ones like you and I, are living in some kind of a uh, reformed cloister and have removed ourselves from the um, the world and we're not out there in the world amongst the overtly rebellious people who are uh, anti-Christ uh, to put it in a, a term and therefore we are ineffective in our witness for Christ in our evangelism efforts in the world. Uh, so therefore, Alistair is giving wonderful advice in their opinion because this uh, grandmother is being sent into an area uh, during an event where there are going to be probably nothing but non-Christians there or, or predominantly non-Christians. And therefore, she's going to be uh, a light uh, in a dark place and that this is something that you and I and people who would agree with us that going to a wedding like this is wrong. We, we are guilty of basically being in retreat mode 
we're not being used of God to bring the gospel <clears throat> because we're in our safe place, if you will. How do you how do you respond to that kind of thinking? Um, that just sounds like baloney to me. I mean, <laughs> the, the reality is like you don't know, <laughs> you don't know what we do or who we talk to or who we're connected with or who we interact with. And the reality is, I mean, the church. I mean, people have different levels of engagement with the world. And some people, um, you know, are in a secular workplace among in a very progressive company that has a lot of policies and things that really restrict what they can say. And they have to be careful about how they how they talk and how they present themselves and how they how they walk out their Christian life in the workplace. And others are in, you know, better situations for them, uh, spiritually speaking, um, where you know, I mean, like myself, I, I work at a Christian ministry. I'm surrounded by believers. I mean, it's a, a broadly evangelical base. So, I mean, uh, I'm connected with people who are more charismatic, people who are Wesleyan, people who are Reformed, people who are Southern Baptist. I mean, there's a whole mix of people who work at AFA and are connected with AFA and support AFA. But, um, I mean, do I live in a bubble? Maybe to some degree, um, and maybe to some degree all Christians do to some measure. And that's part of the issue that, uh, that causes such fear over this topic is, you know, everybody kind of has their theoretical response to how things ought to operate. But the reality is, I mean, we have to, we have to find ways to speak Christ within the world that we live in. And, um, so I don't know, I feel like I'm rambling in response to this question, but that's, it's, um, Christians are, are called to be salt and light. That, that's the bottom line. And whether you are in a context that puts you around believers or people who just, I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of professing believers that you might interact with, but there's also people who profess faith, who don't live out their, their Christian walk and don't seem to be genuinely born again. And, and so you've got an opportunity to present Christ there and to witness there as well. I just, I reject the notion that somehow there are easier places to serve the Lord than others uh, is basically what I'm trying to say that wherever you're called to, there is going to be a level of spiritual persecution and battle that you are going to have to take up, whether that's going against, you know, kind of some of the religious traditions and upbringing that people have been ensconced around or whether it's going into a, a very hostile secular environment. I mean, obviously one of those is more comfortable than the other on a day-to-day basis, but that comfort can lull you to sleep and, and keep you from actually being a clear witness for Christ where you are. So, I mean, we all have to be on guard and we all have to be clear about what the mission and the message is. And if we lose track of that, then we're, then we're, we're not doing justice to what Christ has called us to. Yes. And, Again, this goes back to what is the message you are sending by being in a particular place during a particular event? Uh, You know, it doesn't sound like Alistair was recommending that this grandma go to a wedding and start to raise her voice proclaiming the gospel and telling people to repent or to walk around handing out tracts. Or, you know, that, that in, I think, Alistair's mind, according to what he said, that that's going to further perpetuate stereotypes, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And I also don't think he's saying that he would want to officiate the gay wedding either. 
Right. And so this person, uh, who will rename nameless, who was really bombarding me with accusations that uh, uh, I don't want to go to the places where the lost are, uh, and that's the only way they're going to hear the gospel if we go to those places. I said, well, where do you draw the line? Do you go to orgies? Do you go to cross burnings? Do you uh, volunteer Planned Parenthood so you'll be surrounded by lost people? You know, yeah. I mean, it. it well, there's go ahead. There, there's a difference between standing outside of Planned Parenthood right. and trying to offer counsel and help and driving your daughter to the abortion clinic, right? And and essentially, in this scenario at the gay wedding, that's what you're doing. You're you're driving your your daughter to the abortion clinic. You. It's that level of affirmation and it, even to go a step further and say, you know, I'll take you to the abortion clinic and then we'll go shopping and uh, and get lunch afterwards. You know, I mean, that how can you not see that as a level of affirmation for the choice that is being made? Um, and at some level, you as a Christian, I mean, h- how would your conscience be silent to you if you chose to go forward with that. Now, I know some people have already made their choice and they're trying to justify it in their head. I mean, I I know people who have gone to even, not even necessarily gay weddings, but they've gone to uh, the weddings of an unbeliever. And within that ceremony, there was, there were some things that, that were really made them uncomfortable as a member of the wedding party. And they're still kind of thinking like, I don't know, should I have gone, you know, and they're, they're kind of questioning it. Did I, did I make an inroad for the gospel or did I discredit my Christian witness by going? And, um, you know, I don't think you have to, I don't think you have to continually ask that self your question. If you, if you make a clear distinction at the front end that I'm not going to go to this, but I'm going to find other ways to speak and to to build a relationship and to show that I love and care for this person, whether they receive it or not, that's that's up to them and, and between them and the Lord. Okay, before we, you go on to any more uh, answers to protests that you specifically want to address, uh, I want to read a listener question. Chicky in Pflugerville, I'm assuming that's how to pronounce that, P-F-L-U-G-E-R-Ville, Texas. And Chicky wants to know, and, and in fact, I think I brought this very thing up to you uh, before we went on the air um, in private conversation. Chicky asked, does it appear to you that Christians are intentionally being much more soft in, to, in their approach to those involved in homosexual sin than they are to those who are involved in heterosexual sin? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, that, at least in terms of the public talking points, um, that is that seems to be more and more where you have to soft pedal because you, you could ask the same question of would you go to an adulterous, uh, the wedding of a man who had left his, his wife right. and, and pursued this relationship and he's getting remarried to his mistress and you get invited to the wedding and are you going to uphold your Christian witness or is it, is it Phariseeism if you don't do that? Because that's the dichotomy that, that Alistair Begg has given us is there's the path of Jesus, which goes to this and gets a gift, or there's the way of the Pharisee that says, uh, no, I'm not going to do that because that muddies the water of what I'm, I'm trying to do and the clarity of what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, I mean, there's an element in which um, – People have, Christians have become very 
afraid to say anything that would be um, that would be seen as controversial or, or, or really push against um, push against the thinking on this regarding homosexuality. Whereas when it comes to 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 heterosexual sin, if you want to call it that, you know, just sexual promiscuity, immorality, all those other things. I think other people would say, well, there's an element in which Christians haven't dealt with those things as much as they should have. They they should be much more careful in, in speaking against pornography or much more open about that. And, and that's a fair criticism as well. But But to say that doesn't mean that homosexuality is now justified or a strong response against homosexuality is somehow forbidden just because Christians at, at different points have been negligent to address sin within their own midst or within their own families or within their own uh, congregations uh, regarding pornography, adultery, uh, fornication, and so on and so forth. Well, Chicky, uh, make sure you give us your full mailing address in Pflugerville, Texas, because you've won a free copy of Dangerous Affirmation. Thanks to our generous friends at the American Family Association. And also thanks to Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service, cvbbs.com. We'll ship it out to you. Uh, we have Jasper in Hicksville, Long Island, New York. And he says, it seems that Alistair Begg's rhetoric here is defying and contradicting his own reformed theology when it comes to the nature of humans. Yeah, that's that's a, I brought that up as well. Uh, that's an excellent yeah. point because it, it is going back to the Arminian uh, understanding of man being sick rather than spiritually dead before he's regenerate, and that if we can somehow, uh, you know, appeal to the emotions of somebody and make sure that we never offend them or get them upset, uh, that they're somehow going to come around and say, you know, this person loves me so much, I got to give this Christianity a second hearing, you know, uh, but, but this is not biblical, a, a biblical approach to the lost man dead in his sins, is it? No, I, I don't think it is. I mean, I don't think it seems to recognize the reality of the condition or the need for the cure and the call to Christian faithfulness in the way that the Lord blesses that, you know, there, there's simple acts of faithfulness that we can live out that the Lord in his sovereign care over all things has has chosen and ordained to use to to build up his church, convert the lost, and to to disciple those who belong to him. And if, if we're going to uh, – people – I don't know why. I, I guess maybe it's this inherent pragmatism. We've got a lot of pragmatic thinking in America, you know, and, and so we get very clever – and so we, we try and find new ways to, to approach the problem when really the call is to just be faithful where you're, where you're called and to, to do the things the Bible's commanded, not to, to try and overthink, you know, if I, if I do X, Y, Z, then maybe I'll get X, Y, Z results. Well, you know, I, God has called us to be faithful and to leave the success up to him. That's, that's a quote that AFA as a ministry lives by because that was something that Brother Don our, our founder said all the time, and, and I mean, he was a Methodist pastor, Arminian as they come, but that is something that uh, 
that I think all Christians should be able to recognize that God's providential care over these things. He's, he's ordained the ends, we would say, but he's also ordained the means. And if you aren't going to take up those means and you can't expect to accomplish those ends, but at the same time, you just can't um, kind of sit and wait for those ends to happen without taking up the means yourself. And so those things uh, work together, you know, God's sovereignty and man res- man's responsibility in that way. But uh, it, it does seem to, to miss, um, I guess, how these things, I guess, how, how we should be thinking about these things theologically. You know, it reminds me uh, of uh, a story that Jesus brought up uh, that I was addressing very recently in Iron Sharpens Iron Radio of the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, when the rich man was in hell, he was begging Abraham uh, to raise Lazarus from the dead so that he would go and warn his brothers about their eternal destiny awaiting them in torment if they did not, you know, repent. And uh, Moses, I'm sorry, Abraham said, uh, if, if they do not hear... Moses and the prophets, neither will they um, hear someone who rises from the dead. And it's as if, uh, you know, if if somebody were to say, uh, well, what if the rich man said, uh, well, you know, s- send somebody to the, the gay wedding. Oh, no, that's all. That's entirely different. Sure. They may listen to you then, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, 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 yeah. it, it's, it's defying the biblical understanding of man's nature. What are, why are we to believe that if the rich man's brothers would ignore one raised from the dead, why, would they, why should we believe that somebody is going to be turned to God because we went to their homosexual affirming wedding? Yeah, why why would God bless it with with his power when uh when you've when you've so clearly compromised uh, and then to your deeper point of you know God God is ordaining this and um there's there's a resistance there so uh, yeah I I'm with you. Uh if you could now address some of the other main complaints or disagreements or protests to your way of thinking in re- in response to Alistair that you have had to grapple with? Well, I, I think one of the main things that people have tried to say, at least I've, I've seen them in the comments on the news articles connected with this, and uh, I assume AFA has probably received a number of different responses. I'm not privy to all of those, but uh, one of those is just the matter of conscience, you know, that, well, you know, sh- why can't a, a Christian feel compelled to go do this? Isn't there a level of Christian liberty here? You know, isn't this a meat sacrifice to idol situation where, you know, some can partake in good conscience and others cannot. But my response to that would be, you know, are you going, are you eating the meat that's been sacrificed to the idols or are you going to the ceremony where the idol, where the idol was invoked in order to, to, to sacrifice this thing? Uh, that's that's kind of the the distinction here. I mean, we're talking about um, 
there are matters that are up for Christian liberty, including some of our responses and the ways that we engage with the world. But as a Christian, I mean, you're always sensitive to have, have I actually said and done what I should? Did I do it in the right way? Did I handle the situation properly? And, and you're trying to discern if, how can I handle this better in the future? How can I, how can I grow in my interaction here? And I don't, it's not just a matter of conscience. I mean, Robert Gagnon, I don't know if, if, if you saw that he, he wrote a very extensive of course. His main platform is not a blog, but it's his Facebook post. And so it, they, these essay linked Facebook posts that he writes sometimes, but he wrote one regarding the, the, um, the Alistair Begg situation. One of the things that he bring, brings up, it, rightly so, in 1 Corinthians 5, there's the self-professed Christian man who's in an, in an incestuous relationship with a stepmother. Right. So, so the question is, sh- you know, if we are to compare apples to apples here, should the grandmother of this <laughs> go to the, the son's um, incestuous wedding and bring a gift in order to show her support to hopefully make an inroad for the gospel? Right. And this person in First Corinthians 5 is even a professing Christian, is a member of the church, and the world looks at it and is shocked by it. And I think we can all recognize on its face that this is not something that you should do. It's just when it comes to homosexuality, we've so been softened by, by the onslaught of the world and the, the, the depictions in media and the political arguments and uh, growing weary over, over culture war kind of language and action that a lot of Christians have felt like, well, maybe, maybe it's not as bad really as as my parents told me or as people feared, you know, I met this person and they seem so nice. You know, I, I was taught that gay people were mean and scary when really you weren't, you probably weren't taught that you were just, that was how you, you interpreted it uh, at that point in time. But my point is that um, the Christian church has been deeply softened on this, on this issue. And so we don't, we don't, have that same level of obvious revulsion and distancing that we would have if we talk about that incestuous wedding concept or a a bestial wedding, someone marrying an animal or something. I mean, you would look at that as like, well, obviously I'm not going to go do that because that's so clearly against God and his word. It's a desecration of what the marriage vows are supposed to be. It's a mockery of what God intended. It leads people astray and it affirms things that are that are abominable in God's sight. So why would I go and do that? Why would I think that I could do that and be able to have a clear Christian witness on the other side of it? But when it comes to homosexuality, we just don't see it that clearly anymore. Well, we have to go to our final break, but if you have a question, send it in now because we're rapidly running out of time. Chris Arnson at gmail.com. Chris Arnson at gmail.com. We'll be right back. Sarnson here, host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. I strongly recommend a church I've been recommending as far back as the 1980s, Grace Covenant Baptist Church in Flemington, New Jersey, pastored by Alan Dunn. 
Grace Covenant Baptist Church believes it's God's prerogative to determine how he shall be worshipped and how he shall be represented in the world. They believe churches need to turn to the Bible to discover what to include in worship and how to worship God in spirit and truth. They endeavor to maintain a God-centered focus and to protect worship from the intrusion of carnal entertainments and distractions. Reading, preaching, and hearing the Word of God, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, baptism, and communion are the scriptural elements of their corporate worship performed with faith, joy, and sobriety. Discover more about Grace Covenant Baptist Church in Flemington, New Jersey at gcbc-nj.org. That's gcbc-nj.org. Or call them at 908-996-7654. That's 908-996-7654. Tell Pastor Dunn you heard about Grace Covenant Baptist Church on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Today at thousands of community centers, high schools, middle schools, juvenile institutions, coffee shops, and local hangouts, Long Island Youth for Christ, staff and volunteers meet with young people who need Jesus. We are rural and urban, and we are always about the message of Jesus. Our mission is to have a noticeable spiritual impact on Long Island, New York, by engaging young people in the lifelong journey of following Christ. Long Island Youth for Christ has been a stalwart bedrock ministry since 1959. We have a world-class staff and a proven track record of bringing consistent love and encouragement to youths in need all over the country and around the world. Help honor our history by becoming a part of our future. Volunteer, donate, pray, or all of the above. For details, call Long Island Youth for Christ at 631-385-8333. That's 631-385-8333. Or visit liyfc.org. That's liyfc.org. Hi, I'm Brian McLaughlin president of the SecureCom Group, and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnson's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing, and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. 
For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit securecomgroup.com. That's securecomgroup.com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Welcome back. Uh, folks, don't forget that this program is paid for in part by the law firm of Buttafuoco and Associates. If you are the victim of a serious personal injury or medical malpractice anywhere in the United States, call Dan Buttafuoco, attorney at law at 1-800-NOW-HURT. Or visit his website, 1-800-NOW-HURT.com. Mention Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. We have a question from Garrison in Peconic, New York. And Garrison says, in reading the social media comments, primarily on Facebook, responding to the promotion of today's show, I have seen a number of people trying to make the point that if we don't go to transgendered or LBGTQ marriages, we shouldn't go to other marriages that may have a question mark next to them, like should we go to a Muslim wedding, a Mormon wedding, a Jehovah's Witness wedding, or an atheist wedding. Uh, that Yeah, I've seen that too. But, but the fact of the matter is, and I'm sure you would agree, M.D., those weddings are real marriages, even if they are not performed in the name of Christ. God binds um, one man and one woman to marriage, even if they were not married uh, in the name of Christ or in the Christian church. It could be in a mosque, a temple, uh, a, a, a justice of the peace, you know, wherever. They're still marriages, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the issue there. There's the, the male-female component of the marriage is still intact. And, you know, if those couple, if that couple is to become Christian, then they would not need to dissolve the union that they have um, because they would, because now they would just be sanctifying their home and they would just be growing in grace and knowledge and all, all of those things. So it was like I, I mentioned before with the Westminster Confession of Faith definition of marriage, uh, the, the preventing of uncleanness, you know, when when a man and a, another man are committing together, they're basically committing to to per, perpetually engage in acts of uncleanness together and committing to that long term. You know, there is no expectation that that's going to cease. So it, there there's nothing sanctifiable about that union, whereas in the case of someone coming from another religion, the the marriage itself is still valid because it is still recognized by God as an actual union uh, the way that he intended. And we'll take one more uh, listener question from Arnie in Perry County, Pennsylvania. Arnie says, when you refuse the invitation to a wedding like this grandson was participating in to a transgendered person, do you have any counsel of what to say so that you would not automatically cut off any kind of relationship or communication with the person that you hope to eventually reach with the gospel? Well, it would certainly be built upon what hopefully you've already said to this point. But, um, you know, there's there's a, a kind and cordial way to 
to not go to to refuse the invitation and to say why and to to say to to state your your Christian convictions like I was saying earlier you know this is an opportunity to bear witness about what you truly believe on this in a way that actually puts some skin in the game so to speak and and says that I'm willing to to risk your opinion of me uh, the Christian saying this to the to the unbeliever I, I'm willing to to risk your opinion of me in order to maintain my commitment to Christ, my Savior. And I hope that you will in some way see this, even if even if you don't see it at this point in time. Hopefully you will recognize that uh, the, the joy and the comfort that I have in Christ, I, I hope that you're able to understand that and, and to see that my, my commitment here is actually consistent. You know, we we did a movie, AFA released a movie in, in 2020 called In His Image. And um, you can go to inhisimage.movie if you want to watch that for free, or you can also find it on, on YouTube, which is also available for free. But it's a movie about homosexuality and transgenderism and the biblical response. And one of the one of the stories, the, the testimonies within it is this girl named Laura Perry and, and her mom. And Laura Perry grew up in the church and you know, felt like her mom was overbearing and legalistic and kind of always doing these things. But one of the things when Laura started to embrace a transgender identity and start to to identify as a man and take on a man's name and start to take hormones and eventually had had a surgery and some things to alter her body. One of the things that she mentioned, uh, reflecting back on it after she was a Christian, was that her mom never capitulated. Her mom never called her by her chosen her new chosen name, she always called her Laura. She didn't call her Jake, which was her preferred male name. And she didn't use her preferred pronouns. Um, she got around it sometimes just by calling her honey, you know, uh, something as innocent and sweet as that. But the point that Laura wanted to make was that I always knew where my mom stood. And I always realized that when I got tired of the lies, I didn't go to the people who had lied to me. I went to those who had always told me the truth. And that Amen. was my mom. Amen. And so, you know, that's just an amazing testimony of of what a clear Christian witness can look like. And so I'd recommend that movie to anyone. If you want to know more about that story, you want to hear some of the testimonies of people who've come out of these things, uh, go watch In His Image. In His Image dot movie uh, is the website to go to. Now, also think about all of these young people that we are seeing in the media, only in conservative media who were involved at the blessing of their parents and the counsel of their physicians were getting surgery and hormonal treatments to change their gender, so-called. Of course, we know nobody can change their gender. But these these young people who have regrets uh, and they are angry that their parents and their doctors did this to them or allowed them to do this to themselves. And... Just think about the, the grandson when his life may become a living hell, a nightmare, married to this transgendered person. He's going to be wondering, why, Grandma, didn't you try to stop me? Why did you even come to this wedding and bless it the way you did? I mean, isn't that something to consider as an act of love, to try your very best to persuade uh, somebody to not go through with something as satanic as this? And one of the ways that you do that is you say, I love you with every fiber of my being. 
uh, but I care more about your eternal soul than your feelings, and I love God more than you, and I'm not going to attend this. This has nothing to do with hate and bigotry. I love you more than I can describe, and that's why I'm not going. I mean, isn't that something to consider? Yeah, and you think about the massive mission field that that is. Uh, these people who are basically exiles of the spirit uh, of the sexual revolution, you know, refugees of the sexual revolution, who are just—they're uh, hurt, they're betrayed, they're confused. They know that these things didn't work, and they don't really have anyone else that they can trust. I mean, that's an amazing. You want to talk about a a, a mission field that's ripe for the harvest? Um, go to those who've come out of who who have been lied to and and realized that these things didn't fulfill the the hopes and dreams that they promised. And also something that I would say that as you speak to people, also trust that the Lord can preserve this relationship. That even if there is anger and resentment on the part of the other person, even if there is uh, what seems to be a, maybe a permanent break in that relationship. Continue to pray, continue to seek uh, the Lord's face on this because he can actually restore that relationship. I have seen that and heard of those stories so many times. You know, honestly, Chris, part of what's frustrating about Alistair's response on this whole thing is that every time I go and speak on this topic of sexuality, I always encounter at least one or two parents of children who who have gone out and are living this way. And basically what they're just wanting to hear is that I'm not crazy. I'm not a bigot. I'm not, I'm not insensitive and unloving by holding to the truth of the scripture. They just, they need that confidence reaffirmed and to, to jeopardize, to go against that by speaking in such a way that, that really counteracts where their conscience is on this issue. Like the grandmother who's surprised that Alistair would, would say this, uh, that's just a dereliction of duty as as a minister of God. And I just, I'm really, that really hurts that that's, that that was the response because the, these parents are really hurting and they're trying to find ways that most of them blame themselves for things that have happened to their, to their children and the choices that they've made. And they are trying to find a way to maintain a relationship. And there are many rocky years, but there's oftentimes if parents are willing to humble themselves and be consistent and also maintain a clear spiritual witness, they can restore those relationships with their kids. These aren't irreparable, but it, but they're also not easy to walk through because, because there's that, that lingering tension in the background. I mean, I know a family who, whose son came out as gay and they, they had some really rocky years, but the son has actually moved to be closer to his parents because that's where he feels love and affection, not from his gay partner, but from his parents and, the, and his extended family who are Christians. And so that's who he wants to be close to. So, I mean, if, you're, if your love is genuine and the Bible says, let your love be genuine, it, it will come through in these things. We don't have to overthink everything that we write and hope that we get it exactly perfect because we do serve a sovereign God who overcomes our weakness and our limitations. Well, it has been a joy even in the midst of a sad reason for having you on. Uh, but it's been a joy to have you back on because you are such an exquisite and superb guest, MD. And I look forward to your return to the show. 
I want to remind our, I want to remind our listeners of the website uh, for the American Family Association AFA.net AFA.net. Please pray for that organization that they do not suffer great financial loss for removing Alistair Begg's program Truth for Life from their lineup. Please pray for Alistair Begg to come to true repentance uh, and to recant fully the horrible unbiblical, ungodly counsel that he gave. And we look forward to hearing good news, God willing, in the near future about that. Uh, I want to remind you also to look up M.D. Perkins' book at afa.net, which is Dangerous Affirmation, The Danger of Gay Christianity. And you can look up the interview I did with M.D. on that very subject. And I hope that you are blessed by that. And I want you all to always remember for the rest of your lives that Jesus Christ is a far greater Savior than you are a sinner.